This week at the House of Mario, we got one more day until Tears of the Kingdom comes out. So this is my last chance to get those pre-hype jitters out before we finally start playing the game. And also celebrate 250 episodes of the House of Mario. So if you love Nintendo, video games, and the culture that surrounds them, you've found your home. Come on in. Good day, everybody, and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 250 are open. Hope you're going well. Hope you have an absolutely fantastic day wherever and whenever you're listening to the show. And in fact, wherever and whenever I'm recording this episode, um, this is actually a very different sort of recording experience for me. Usually I'm used to having a set of headphones on, Monosmot Audio, I've got a soundboard, I've got information up in front of me. But the last week or so, it's been a little bit difficult to record at home just with the young fella running around. So I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I think I even talked about it on some Patreon exclusive stuff where I was getting this gear together, but... I'm currently, for the audio <laughs> listeners, I'm in the middle of the paddock, just recording an episode, um, got basically going on a basically a trip around the paddocks, just cleaning out waters and doing, just doing maintenance and stuff like that, but I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to put the phone up, get the microphone out, and uh, record an episode, so I'm very intrigued to see what this looks and sounds like. Hopefully it turns out okay. I'd love to hear your feedback on that. But it's just a sort of a great place to do it, just amongst nature, talking about Nintendo. It's really um, bringing my element. <laughs> I'm really in my element, just out in the paddock. I've got sheep looking at me like, what the fuck is going on? Like, they're all the way over there, about 200 meters away, just all staring at me, a big mob of them. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit strange. It is a little bit strange, I've got to admit. But man, the hype is just absolutely insane right now for um, for Zelda currently recording this probably day and a half away from the game coming out uh haven't preloaded it yet i'm going to i'm going to probably preload it obviously before it comes out but i will get around to it because it is quite a big download about how big is it almost 20 gig like it's a for my australian internet it will take a little bit of going to uh, get that downloaded onto switch and I've got to delete some software as well. I've, uh, I've reached max capacity on my terabyte SD card. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's an issue. <laughs> had, to, had to delete um, like Need for Speed. Had a Need for Speed game on there, which took up a lot of room. And I yeah, got some big RPGs that I'm probably not going to touch for a little bit yet, which I have to get rid of. But a little bit of a shame. I quite liked having all my library just on the one device, but... It's not meant to be. I've bought too many games. Maybe I need to return them to the Nintendo eShop and just have them that way. But super excited about what's going to be happening on um, on the weekend with Zelda coming out. Been really looking forward to it. And uh, it's been just a lot of fun on the lead up to this game. You know, the hype wasn't really like massive to start off with. We knew we were going to enjoy the game a lot when it got announced at E3 2019. So it's been three years since it's been announced, and it's had one delay, but we all sort of expected that delay down 2022 until this year, which I didn't really mind so much. I'm just ready to play the game when it's at the best it can be. So cannot wait in that respect. Um, it's been a, a long wait, and it's you know the sequel to you know the most impactful game Nintendo's released in the last 10 years. And I say that like, wholeheartedly. You know, we had like Wii Sports, which was a huge impact on the casual gamer scene. But I think as fact as when it really sort of targets the like hardcore Nintendo fan base, the Breath of the Wild was just, just monumental in what it did for bringing Nintendo back from the dark ages of the Wii U, reinstalling faith in Nintendo's ability to, you know, make hardware and the experiences they make for that hardware. Even though Breath of the Wild was on Wii U, but you know, it wasn't really made to utilize the gamepad and all of that. So, yeah, man. Tears of the Kingdom, really excited for it. Um, I'm just a little bit disappointed about the leaks, man. And this is something that's going to affect and sort of has affected all major first-party Nintendo games over the last three years or so. Like, you know, when Switch um, hacking and uh, like piracy has really become a problem. We saw it with Scarlet and Violet and... Uh, it uh, was a Pokemon Legends Arceus, a lot of the big games, Metroid Dread, even back a couple of years ago. It's just a real shame. It's a shame that um, that people are going to be getting their hands on the game for free 
which, you know, do what you got to do, I guess. But just for someone who really likes these experiences from video game companies, I want them to be rewarded for their efforts. Um, like, I think I think it's pretty... I'm pretty safe to say that Tears of the Kingdom is going to be very good and that a lot of money and effort went into it from its developers and the resources from Nintendo. So I hope uh, it doesn't affect the sales too much. At the end of the day, it doesn't affect me too much, but I would like another Zelda game on this caliber, you know, coming in the future. So hopefully that's something that doesn't affect it too much. But something that really does bother me is just the amount of leaks, information, story spoilers, mechanical spoilers, um, things like that that go around the internet. And I think one thing I, I do keep in mind is that Breath of the Wild, you can't really spoil that game per se. It was very much about exploring that dense, huge land of Hyrule. And it's going to be the same in this game, but it's going to be bigger. It's going to have islands in the sky, underground, and changes across the face of Hyrule. So it's not going to be too much of a big deal, but there are certain like story spoilers which I really do not want. I think I'm going to really enjoy... Just the aspect of where they're going with, like, you know, Ganondorf and um, wherever it's, like, the new dungeons and stuff. I don't want anything spoiled. And people have this game. And I was talking to somebody yesterday. I went to the pub after I took Lucas to swimming lessons. I took him out for chicken nuggets. <laughs> and he loved them. Um, but uh, one of uh, one of my friends who I worked with at, at the pub, uh, her partner and, and herself were really looking forward to Tears of the Kingdom and they mentioned that one of their friends, they're playing it like right now on their PC, 4K, 120 frames. And that sounds great. Don't get me wrong. I would like to have a version of that to play as well, but there's no legitimate sort of method of doing that. So that's not going to happen. I'm not going to be doing a Switch emulation, but uh, it's just, it kind of sucks that, um, you know, sort of in that position as a, as a fan base, I guess that the game is out there in that way, but I have managed to avoid the spoilers. I hope you guys have as well. Obviously, no spoilers here. I don't know any, so I can't, uh, can't give you any spoilers. So that's one thing. I've, I've noticed a few videos online. People do have physical copies of the game already. I noticed a couple of Nintendo YouTubers already had a copy. You know, legitimate, just, I don't know, got it from early retailer or they know somebody who could get it off a crate from Amazon or something. Not sure what the method was there, but... Just, uh, yeah, keep wary, and um, I know I've been talking to Bryce a whole lot about uh, Tears of the Kingdom. We're all we're both very excited. Zelda's his favorite franchise, and he's been playing Tears of the, oh, he's been playing Breath of the Wild, just doing challenge runs and all that stuff on his Twitch channel. And uh, he's had some spoilers just through comment sections and, you know, things like that. Not looking for them necessarily, but just seeing them when you're online. And, uh, I mean, that's a shame. And I don't know what they are, but I dare say I'll talk to, that, talk to him about that uh, later on when I've uh, played the game and can't have any spoilers. But um, one thing I want to sort of talk about as far as the spoilers go is just uh, the whole thing that's gone on with Kotaku, a big video game outlet, video, video game blog, who, uh, who was blacklisted by Nintendo and has no obligations as far as review codes or embargoes or anything like that. And they've actually pu- published an article with um, a bunch of spoilers that have been discovered through the leaks. And I've got I've got a couple of different sides to my takes here. I think um, the more favourable side to Kotaku is that I do respect that Kotaku isn't just a an arm of Nintendo's marketing that they can say what they want and how they want to say it. I respect that. I appreciate that. That um, Nintendo said, "Oh, we're not giving you games anymore," and they sort of went, "Oh well, we don't have to follow your rules, and we won't." I think that's very respectful to do. And I appreciate that, you know, there's a video game outlet out there that will just tell, I guess, what people want to hear. Well, not want to hear, but the news that they need to hear rather than just having to put it through a lens that will make these companies happy. So I definitely appreciate that. But as far as it, when it comes to these leaks before the game actually comes out, that's what, what I have a problem with. And I put up a tweet reposting a Jim Sterling video, which Jim Sterling was very much just like, look, who gives a fuck? Just pirate Nintendo games. It doesn't matter. You know, Nintendo's, Nintendo doesn't give a fuck about you. And I think a lot of points that Jim Sterling brought up in his video, or their video, sorry, was made sense to me. Absolutely. And they basically say that if you don't want the spoilers, don't go and read the article. And 100%, of course, I have not gone and read the article if I do not want spoilers. I'm not an idiot. (laughs) If I don't want spoilers, I will not read the article. 
But the problem I have with Kotaku doing this is that it's not just, look, it doesn't just stick to the article. It becomes part of search engine optimization. It gets spread through Google, just the text alone, um, depending on what you search. People that don't give a shit about spoilers and just want to ruin other people's days, ruin other people's experiences, they use as ammunition. They, they proliferate it across the internet, whether it's over YouTube or comment sections, social media, sneaking it into hashtags that have nothing to do with The Legend of Zelda or gaming. People out there just, just want to ruin people's experience and some people just want to be like oh look i'm really looking forward to this game it's been six years since the release of breath of the wild and it's been at least three years since i've been like putting a hand up basically asking like can we have another one that was quite good (laughs) that'll be quite good to have so it's just um it sucks that uh that that's kind of used as ammunition for people like that and i guess that that's not really kotaku's problem but where i have issue with the whole thing about them posting those spoilers is that it's not their problem no but it's like uh i don't know somebody somebody's dog doing a crap on your lawn and i was like well you know it doesn't doesn't bother them they don't they don't really care and somebody comes along and just like kicks it up the wall just shit everywhere and people can't really people just like going past and go oh that's a lot of shit on that wall i didn't really want to say that Weird analogy, I know, but it makes it a lot harder to, you know, basically not see it. And I guess Kotaku's not really in the wrong, but it frustrates me nevertheless. It's uh, it's a shame that, um, you know, video game outlet doesn't really look after the audience in some ways. And I know some people out there will want the spoilers and they'll mark, they might respect that uh, Kotaku's out there posting those spoilers, but... You know, not me necessarily, and it's uh, it's a shame. But um, so far, fingers crossed, have not come across any spoilers. I hope you guys are the same. Hope you're going to go in with the amount of knowledge that you wanted to have going in, because this is a big game. This isn't just like you don't have to be like, oh, I want to check out all the previews to know whether it's worth buying. I got to blah blah blah. Like, I think the only thing you got to sort of have question marks about is like, wow, this game looks like it's doing quite a lot in the Switch is you know it's a, it's a very dated piece of hardware so how's it going to perform so i think that's the, a good question to ask especially with the performance of a lot of modern games especially this year with jedi um, survivor being a um, a big standout a recent standout as far as video games coming out that do not uh, perform as they should or as maybe they'll advertised but very you know it is what it is but uh very excited for the game, nevertheless. So we're very close to it. We're going to have a lot of fun. Going to be talking about it a lot on the show. And uh, apart from Pikmin Four, who knows what else is coming out? I don't. Obviously, there's going to be nothing else coming out on Nintendo Switch the size of this game. This is going to be one of the biggest games of the year, and uh, I cannot wait. I've got, um, I think I've got Friday just like locked off, and I'm sort of thinking to myself, should I? Um, start playing from 11.30 Thursday because that's when it unlocks here in South Australia. Um, should I play it through the night and like live off energy drink and go to bed that Friday night, say 8 o'clock? Should I do like a real big, real big uh, night and day of it? I don't know if I can sort of sync up my time, my sleeping schedule because I really got to think about my sleeping schedule. <laughs> I got to be able to look after my son. It's not just like, oh, well, I'm dead to the world. So I'll just go to bed. No, no, I've got to, I've got to function as an adult. Uh, but we'll see, man. Uh, cannot wait. I'm, um, I guess my last minute, che- uh, I guess checklist, my wish list for the game, as I really do hope that there's big emphasis on the story. The trailer makes it look like there's a lot happening in the story, but so did Breath of the Wild. But the way the Breath of the Wild sort of put its story through memories and sort of interactions with the world itself, it wasn't really in your face, but there was a, definitely an, a compelling story to Breath of the Wild. But I think with Tears of the Kingdom, I would like to really build on that lore and understand where the malice is coming from, like what Ganondorf, why he was locked underground and why, you know, the Zonai were holding him prisoner there and... You know, there's a lot of lore that I'm just really intrigued about, especially coming off of just playing Age of Calamity where that is uh, that explains a lot of the lore, but it's also like a what-if situation. But I'll talk about that game a little bit later. 
And um, dungeons coming back, I'd love big elaborate dungeons. I think the divine beasts were good, but they all kind of same in just the way they looked. Same with the shrines, they looked very similar with that chic aesthetic, which, you know, it worked, but I'd like to see some variations just in how things looked. I think even like the shrines, if they had like different... Um, different environments within them with like a jungle or um, volcano or whatever. I think just like a bit of variation between those 120 shrines would have went a long way. But yeah, I think um, I think that's uh, kind of what I want. I don't really have many, uh, many wishes. I just, uh, when it comes to games like Mario and Zelda, I think Nintendo is just so, they're just experts at crafting and giving you new experiences through their games. I think I've got a lot more sort of wish lists and check marks when it comes to series I've got less faith in. But when it comes to Zelda, after t- uh, sorry, after uh, Breath of the Wild, I've got all the faith in the world that they're going to deliver just a fantastic game. So really excited about that. <laughs> Cannot wait. Um, but there's sort of like, there's, there's raised questions about, you know, this will probably be the last big Switch game. Uh, you know, no, no disrespect to Pikmin 4. I can't, I, I'm actually really looking forward to Pikmin 4 and um, along with Tears of the Kingdom, I'm going to get a, a double voucher and get Pikmin 3 Deluxe, which I had it on Wii U, but I played it and didn't finish it. But uh, I'm going to pick up uh, Pikmin 3 and hopefully play it before Pikmin and um, uh, Pikmin 4. So, you know, don't, no disrespect to Pikmin 4 at all, but, you know, it's obviously no Zelda or Mario or even probably Metroid, you know, honestly. So it, it's, it raises an interesting question of, like, when we are getting the next system and... I'm not really, I'm not in a big rush anymore. I've come to terms of what the Switch is as far as it's a, it's a handheld device. It's, and it's, you know, it is a console technically with the hybrid nature, but really with, with the amount of power that it has, it's really sort of struggling as far as doing those big console games. And when you output them to the TV, you can, you can really see that. I dare say Tears of the Kingdom will have aspects of that, but it is just like a great, small, quiet, handheld device with a great screen. So I do appreciate that. So I'm not in a rush and I've got definitely a big backlog to play. But, um, you know, I won't talk about it here just because I'm outside and don't have my screens with me at the moment. But Nintendo released their financials and Nintendo Switch has now sold one, uh, 125 million Switches and it slowed down to... It's been slowing down over the past 12 months as well. And Nintendo only sort of expects to sell another 15 million over the next financial year. Um, so it's, it's coming to the time now where it is sort of time, I guess, even for Nintendo to start, you know, really sort of thinking about another system within the next 12 months. And I can just see this interest from whether it's games, media or personalities online, or just my friends that, you know, the switch has, it's done its thing. It's lived its life. And I think it needs just a little bit more power and a little bit more of a, maybe some, whether they'll just do the same thing, but more power, but that, that isn't Nintendo's MO. I think they have like a brand new sort of way to interact with your games and store. And while I still think that's a handheld, I think they're going to maybe iterate on maybe the, the whole thing of taking the Joy-Cons off or, um, don't know. I really don't know what they're going to do. And I just hope that it's, uh, that it's, um, it's a great platform that developers want to make games for and Nintendo can utilize well, but we'll see. That's, uh, that's neither here nor there. We've got a big game coming up now. But I want to talk about what I've been playing the last couple of weeks. And I've played Metroid Prime Remastered for the very first time. This is the first time I've ever played Metroid Prime. And I had a really interesting experience with it. I talked about it last episode where I thought that I suffered from modern gamer syndrome. And what I mean by modern gamer syndrome is that, uh, you know, games, they hold your hand, they direct you, they tell you to go there, you go there, you do that, they tell you to go there, you do that, and you're very much just sent in your direction where to go. And I grew up playing Pokemon, even the 3D Zelda games, Mario, then even on the Sony side where it's very much become that as well, where it's, you know, Uncharted, uh, Last of Us, you know, you know where you're going. There's no getting lost. But Metroid Prime really is just the whole embodiment of you're on this planet, you're by yourself, get through it, <laughs> work out what to do. There's, And when you start Metroid Prime, you get to Talon 4, the planet where the game takes place. You get out of your ship and you just look around and there's like four doors you can go through. And it's up to you to go through those doors and be like, all right, I can't go any further. I guess I'll try another door and... 
Um, you go through like the door on. I'll give you a hint, just in case you haven't played it. Go to the door on the far right. Go through that one. That's a that's a door you'll go through a lot when you're playing this game. So go through that door, and uh, you go through a lot of other doors as you're going through there. And I talked about how I needed a guide. You know, I'm a dad. I've got limited time. And I want to be getting through games. I don't have a month just to scratch my head and be like, all right, where am I going? I want to make progress each time I sit down and play a game. So I followed a guide. I'm like, where do I go? Look at the guide. Go there. Okay, cool. And uh, there's, there's some sections where I, I like check the guide. I'm like, I would have never figured that out. It might have taken me a few hours of just butting my head against the wall. And be like, oh, God, I need the morph ball to go down this like little hole that I might have missed every time I walked past it. And I think that game design is absolutely really interesting and in how intricate it was. And in a 2023 lens, very impressive. In a 20, 2002 lens, that is it's completely understandable why this game was so revolutionary, how it brought Metroid to the 3D um, era with the GameCube. And what else was just really interesting about it is just like you can understand why retro studios is just so renowned that this developer that nobody knew about that is one of nintendo's first western teams especially outside of their you know nintendo of america branch uh, you know um retro studios being in texas um just super impressive that um, they were able to just translate it so well and i think ultimately i didn't i can't say i had fun with the game i didn't sit there and oh, i'm having so much fun but I am certainly glad that I got to experience that game and truly understand what makes Metroid Prime great. And the whole aspect of going around, exploring, getting lore through scanning objects, just observing the environment. Really interesting how the sort of story is revolving around the Chozo, their lore, how they inhabited um, Talon Four how like the space pirates were utilizing um, this, uh, I forgot exactly what it was called, but this uh, substance that uh, basically like eroded planets and uh, changes it into into like duplicates of this other planet and use it as like a power source. And you can see like aspects of the planet sort of falling and how the Chozo are protecting it and what the what the idolization of the Chozo is, who's this ancient race, who's very religious, but the space pirates are about like brute force and power and how in their bases you can sort of understand where they're coming from and the Chozo, where they're coming from. Really interesting, intricate story that in no way is forced down your throat. You really have to sort of read it and understand it. Or in my sort of um, way, I read a lot and I had it pieced together through reading uh, stuff on the internet about how people sort of interpret it or YouTube videos putting it together and things like that. I think it's just a really fascinating game. And uh, I do wonder how they're going to move forward with um, Metroid Prime 4. Like, are they going to be, are they going to make it this sort of, I guess, uh, I was going to say this disconnected, but that's not the way I want to put it. But like a lot of the games these days, it's very much the reward for the gameplay is getting a cutscene. But there is sort of no stopping when it comes to Metroid Prime. It is just all gameplay. It's discovery. It's sort of figuring things out for yourself, which, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't do necessarily. And maybe I would have gotten a lot more satisfaction and enjoyed the game a lot more if I did do that. But I can tell you right now that probably not the case. I don't think I would have gotten more satisfaction out of the game for doing that. But uh, I really do appreciate Metroid Prime as a game. I think it's uh, really interesting, and I'm glad that I got to play it. And the game was really nice looking on Switch and looking at the differences between the titles on the original GameCube and the Switch. A lot of uh, a lot of effort went into the remaster. It looks absolutely fantastic. So I'm really glad, glad I finally got to experience this game. It's very, very impressive. Even in 2023, I was really surprised how just, just blown back, just by pure game design, how impressive the game was. And um, I think it's uh, it's worth any Nintendo fan playing, even if you like, you're like me, and you're like, all right, I don't have all the time in the world. I don't want to be butting my head because I would like to move on to other games. But I think it's just uh, really impressive just having that uh, that notch on your belt, like having that understanding of what makes a great sort of Metroid Metroid game and how it worked in the 3D realm and what those developers would have had to do with 
I guess, uh, you know, game design and how they translate it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So, honestly, I'm excited for playing Metroid Prime 2 Echoes. I hope that does come to the Switch in a similar fashion, in a remastered state. It might be hard to go back to um, what the game looked like on GameCube and Wii after experiencing it looking like it does on Switch. But uh, regardless, I just hope it comes to Switch or whatever platform Nintendo's got at the time because uh, I don't want to go back to motion controls or how it worked on GameCube with not being on the move um, at the same time as using the second stick to aim around and shoot because I was doing a lot of strafing in this game. <laughs> the space pirates, they hit like a truck and I did not appreciate that. So if I could not strafe, I just had to stay in the same position and just take shots. Man, don't know. But uh, Metro Prime, absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed it. I um, But... I think ultimately why I guess I didn't have a lot of fun with it, like I think, and that's weird to say that I didn't enjoy it, but I, had, I didn't have much fun, is that just I love exploration in games. I think Zelda, Pokemon, even like Mario games like Mario Odyssey where there's nooks and crannies just in every little just corner of the level. Why I, I think just when it came to Metroid Prime, I didn't find like just the area is like super interesting to explore necessarily compared to other games. Um, but I think that's just a personal taste for, thing for me. And I felt s- similar about Dead Space, honestly. I played Dead Space Remake. I fell off of it. I really didn't really find the uh, Ishimura that interesting to explore, just these little rooms. And you can put together the story. The environmental storytelling was just insanely expertly done. But I think when it comes to just like eerie sort of space areas it's not maybe it's not my thing but anyway i've got to go back to dead space and maybe my opinion will change for the last four hours i've got of that game but probably not i've got a bee up here hope that doesn't hope that doesn't bite me <laughs> that doesn't sting me but yeah metro prime absolutely fantastic that was the 16th game i finished in 2023 and uh let's say 16th i think i think it's 17th i haven't got it in front of me but I think that the 18th game that I've played and finished this year was uh, the uh, Horror Warriors Age of Calamity. This game came out November 2020, so it's been almost three years since that game came out. And that game has been in my backlog for a long time. I bought, and I think I even preloaded that game when it came out, and I just wasn't in the mood for it. And typically for me in November... Uh, that's one of my busiest months a year. I'm very physically and mentally drained. I think in, I think in 2020, honestly, that was probably that was not a good year for me, as it wasn't for a lot of people out there in 2020, for obvious reasons. So I just was not in the mood for the game. I wasn't really a Warriors fan. I wasn't into the Musou games. But last year, playing Fire Emblem Three Hopes, really enjoyed that game. Really fun. I love slashing through enemies, the the strategy that game implemented, um, you know, the retelling of uh, Three Houses story was really well done. thought it was a lot of fun. So my mind is way more open to these Warriors Musou games. So I knew that I was going to play Age of Calamity next. So I was in the mood for it. And I said to myself, I'm definitely going to play it before Tears of the Kingdom. There's no doubt that I'm going to play it before Tears of the Kingdom. So... Only a couple of weeks before Tears of the Kingdom comes out. Start Age of Calamity. Finished it in about 23 and a half hours. Um, You know, a nice length for a game of this caliber. Playing it in between sort of, you know, it's especially after Metroid Prime, it took a lot less sort of mental capacity, which I really appreciated. You know, it's going to a battle and it's, um, you know, making sure I kill certain objectives before, you know, it's too late before they take over bases and things like that. So there's a little bit of thinking, but there's nowhere near as much sort of strategy as Three Hopes or um, any any other sort of, of the, the strategy games. But what I really appreciate about this game is it is like a, a retelling of Breath of the Wild's story. It goes back to, you know, 100 years in the past where the calamity is about the, is happening. But there's um, a little little guardian has basically gone back in time and it's given a warning to Zelda Link and the champions about what's going to happen, and they react to that, and the story from there unfolds um, differently. And I found that really intriguing, and I was sort of put off of the game because it wasn't like what I expected to be a true prequel of Breath of the Wild. That's why I was going into it thinking. 
But it's basically like a, a what-if situation and creates its own timeline separate from Breath of the Wild. Because Zelda is just, you know, <laughs> it's a, it loves just doing just different uh, timelines with its uh, time traveling. So this is technically just like a what-if situation if something different happened. But I did uh, really enjoy it and how they sort of, how the, the, the one change just changed so much and ultimately the story turns out better for the protagonists of the story. And I really enjoyed, um, you know, what, uh, the, you know, the final form, how that turned out at the end, how, you know, certain characters lived, how certain characters turned sides. And that was a, a big deal of why, um, the story turned out differently. And, you know, I, I feel like, uh, Koei Tecmo, and um, Omega Omega Force had to do that, not just tell the same story as Breath of the Wild, because you know their games are all about having multiple characters to play as. So if everybody just died like they did in Breath of the Wild, you know you would have no one to play as. But basically, how this story turns out is you can play as the champions, you can play as etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't want to say too much in case some of you guys haven't played it, but. I dare say a lot of you have because it's almost a three-year-old game. So it, it might just be me who hasn't gone around to it if you're a big Zelda fan. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I ended up thinking it was like um, th- three and a half out of five stars. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, it's it's gotten me like just right in the mood for Tears of the Kingdom. There's, there's no ifs, there's no buts, there's no anxiety being like, oh, it's a big game. I'm a little bit nervous about uh, getting into it and getting back into the lore. No, I am right there. I'm ready to explore the skies, Hyrule, everything that the game has to offer. I cannot wait. I think it's going to be uh, so much fun. Um, so yeah, that's what's got me in the mood a lot. And I've also been checking out like, um, I just want to recommend you guys as well, is uh, Zeltech, a YouTube channel who focuses on The Legend of Zelda. I'm sure you might have heard about um, his channel, but he has put out a, a video, an hour-long video recapping uh, the events of Breath of the Wild. It's fantastic, and uh, I, um, you know, learned some things I didn't know before from that that recap. So go check that out. That was absolutely fantastic, and uh, that's really put me in the mood for some uh, some games. But um, I think uh, I've got some other games that are finished, but we'll leave it for now. I'll talk about that in some some other episodes of the house of Mario. But I think for, for this week, I'm going to give the news a miss. Not too much has happened. I think we're all just like in a black hole. Everything's been sucked into tears of the kingdom. That's how I feel anyway. And, uh, really, um, can't wait for that. So I want to move on to Reggie's rec room and just uh, talk about the last 250 episodes of the house of Mario. And, you know, a little bit of a celebration about, where this show's gone. So if you don't care about the show, if you're tuning in for the first time, don't give a shit. You know, you're free, you're free to leave. The door's over there. But um, for the rest of you, I just want to say a big, big thank you to everybody that's supported the show, that's been a part of us since the ups, the downs, the learning experiences, all of that. This is, um, this is something I have so much fun doing each week or try to do each week. I didn't do it last week. But... A lot of the reason why I didn't do the House of Mario last week, honestly, is just I was in a bit of a rut, a bit of a foul mood, and um, I didn't really want to make episode 250 just like me in the dumps, and uh, even to the point where I didn't I didn't feel like I could fake it or push through it or anything like that. And, uh, you know, sometimes in life, every week's not going to be the best week necessarily, but you push through it. But I don't know. I just really wasn't feeling it last week. And I think that's largely to do with like, you know, it's episode 250. I think that's, um, that's, a, that's you know, whatever. It's a pat on the back for doing 250 episodes of the show. You know, obviously starting it with my best friend, Bryce DeWitt. But, you know, last year, September, since changing the format, Bryce left doing it by myself. I really, you know, we're kind of getting, I feel like I'm getting started again. So I really don't feel like I have much to celebrate necessarily. And that's also why I didn't um, put out like questions or thoughts or, you know, celebrating with the community that listened to the show, you guys who really um, make it so much fun to do, just like hearing back from maybe one of you through an Apple podcast review or maybe a little post on Twitter, whatever it is, um, that just makes my day. It's just 
shine so much more. Obviously, uh, I don't know. If you're watching the video, the, the clouds are coming over and spitting a little bit. So I'm a little bit nervous about that. But hopefully it holds off long enough. Um, but the show has just been so much fun to do. And, you know, started doing the House of Mario because just got a massive love for video games, Nintendo, love podcasts. I want to do podcasting myself. And it was just a great sort of reason to get into it. And I couldn't imagine sort of starting podcasting, talking about anything else. This is like my burning passion that I love. And I want to honestly make more a part of my life is talking and playing and discussing and sharing video games. I, um, it's something that I absolutely love doing. And this is a great outlet for me because the people in my life um, aren't gamers. So I've got to come out in the middle of the paddock and just talk at my phone for an hour if I want to get this stuff off my chest. Because every now and again, I, I, I try to say like, oh my God, I'm so keen for Zelda. And everyone's like, oh yeah, that's cool, man. Like, I don't know. They don't get it. But uh, you guys do. You guys know exactly what I'm, <laughs> what I'm spitting. But... You know, the first hundred and well, two hundred and so episodes. I just, I just want to give a obviously a big shout out to Bryce. Bryce is my best friend, and he was the one that, you know, I guess uh, allowed me to have a safe step into doing doing uh, content creation, doing the podcast. I've always been very, I've never had that much self esteem. So the whole idea of like, I could never step into doing a solo Nintendo show. I would have never stepped into doing that by myself. There's no way I would have had the confidence to do it. I wanted to do YouTube for a long time. And, you know, YouTube for the most part is just like a, I'm talking to the camera type of thing. I wouldn't even have the confidence for that. Even though that I really wanted to do it, there was sort of no way that was going to happen. <laughs> so... Just a, a big shout out to him because like through the 200 or so episodes that we did together, I was able to gain that experience, that confidence in finding my voice and finding, you know, the confidence to speak properly and um, speak properly. Just in general, I couldn't even talk before I did the podcast. I couldn't even, uh, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even uh, communicate with my, with my family. And I started on the podcast and I was like, oh my God, Drew, you can talk. I guess in some ways I have had that conversation. As a uh, one of uh, my friends, uh, Dave, who I played soccer with, he's like, "Oh, I listen to your podcast, man, and you're so quiet on the soccer pitch, but you talk your head off on the podcast." So you know, maybe in some ways that that's true. I'm very quiet outside of uh, <laughs> outside of uh, doing this. I don't sit here and talk this much when I'm in a group of people. I'm just very much a listener. Sit back, listen, and all that. But anyway, just you know. Bryce, he allowed me to just really sort of, I guess, uh, you know, blossom and uh, do this do this thing by myself now. And, uh, you know, I do miss the days of him coming over and being able to talk Nintendo. And those times are a lot more rare now. Hold on. I've got spider, spider, spider webs to find all over the place at the moment. It's like, um, I don't know. I think the spiders, they're... They like, uh, they like fly on their webs and the webs get caught up on like the tripod and that. So I don't know if that's showing up in the camera, but regardless, if you're, if you're listening, you don't, you don't have spiders on you. That's okay. But we we're able to sort of, you know, st start this thing together, which is, um, which is really special. I'll, I'll always cherish those times and just the, the fact that now our sort of catch up and geek outs are a lot more infrequent, which I'm sad about, but at least they still happen. You know, we've we've had a lot of um, geek outs about Tears of the Kingdom and stuff coming out, and he hasn't come back on the show yet. But there is nobody in this world that I'd prefer to come on as a guest to talk Tears of the Kingdom. So I hope he um, would like to come back on and just nerd out about Zelda. I'm sure he will. I'm sure any excuse to talk Zelda, he will. He always has. He was the type of person that. Before I even played Zelda, he would lecture me about... He'll literally lecture me, literally as a kid. I'll be like a 10-year-old kid. He'll be telling me about why Ocarina of Time is so good and why Majora's Mask was nowhere near as good and just the how good, how good Wind Waker was. And it wasn't until I got my Wii where 
um, he he gave me like the the nudge to spend a hundred bucks to go and get Twilight Princess and myself fall in love with the Legend of Zelda series. So I've always got a lot of love and respect for Bryce, and I know a lot of you guys out there will miss him on the show. But you know, I'm recording this in my paddock now. I'm trying to find the amount of free time that I have, and Bryce is very much in the same boat. And linking them together is just it became an impossible task along with the fact that Bryce, you know, he fell out of love with, um, I guess, making the commitment to a weekly podcast, which it is what it is. I think things move on, things change. And I am inspired in some ways by the work of some channels on YouTube. And I have been looking at sort of even some uh, channels way outside of video games, whether it is political or sports or whatever. A lot of channels are just are doing podcasts with like an hour podcast with like the one person sitting at a desk just doing like a talk show. And I think me modeling or getting inspiration from um, creators like that is maybe the way to go and in some ways might actually differentiate this podcast from other Nintendo podcasts because I love a lot of what other Nintendo podcasts are doing. I listen to a good handful of them. I enjoy what they're doing. Absolutely love them. They're all very different and unique. The different personalities um, care about different things and talk about different things. And uh, I really love that. But maybe in some ways just having the solo show will put off some people, but also intrigue some other people as well and bring them into a different format. And it also allows me to fit in more into one show as well. So that's something that I've been thinking about because I can cover like a lot of news and thoughts and opinions and things like that in an hour, which is uh, which is pretty cool. So I um, I really do enjoy doing this format. I think it's a lot of fun and even uh, some of like the Apple podcast reviews, uh, well, just one in particular where um, they mentioned that they started listening once the show went solo. And I dare say that was just by sheer circumstance that that's when they come across. But anybody that started listening in the last... I know four months. Um, this is the format of the show that you know. This is the that you that you listen to, and you might um, quite enjoy it and keep listening weekly from there. So, I think uh, I think that's a good th- good sign. So, I'm always sort of thinking about where I want uh, want the show to go, um, just uh, improvements I want to make to myself and the show itself, or what message I want to send. Um, and largely that's just like positivity and uh, constructive criticism to the games um, that we're playing, um, no matter sort of, you know, what they are. And there's been um, a lot of sort of positive aspects. And being an Nintendo podcast the last few months this year has been really fun. <laughs> like starting off the year with Fire Emblem and Metroid, Advance Wars, coming to Zelda. Uh, this is a lot to love. There really is a lot to love in the world of Nintendo at the moment. And I hope that continues and I'm sure it will. But yeah, I can't, I can't say that, um, you know, since going, going solo, I haven't had, you know, self doubts as far as, you know, what I'm doing. That, that's for sure. And that comes with any content creator. I think if you've got no self doubts, doubts whatsoever, that, um, I don't know. I guess that's a good thing, <laughs> just having the confidence and moving forward. But yeah, you, know, you got you got to reflect and sort of you know check yourself at least a couple of times. I think just in life in general, you can't just go through it and be like, "Hey, I'm fine, I'm good." <laughs> that might come off an arrogance in some ways, but I don't know, having that self confidence, I don't think that'll be that bad either. But I, I've always felt this way. But when it's just like when it's purely me, when it's purely me, I was like, oh, "I don't like this," but it is what it is. I um I don't mind that. But um, I think for where I want to be, episode 300, I I want to be at a place in a year's time when we hit episode 300 in a place where I can be really proud of what the show has become since being a one-man band, where it is um, something I'm really proud of. I want to really strengthen our community because doing The House of Mario, it's been so satisfying um, looking back on and seeing the progress of myself and when Bryce was on, so the progress of what Bryce was able to bring to the table, as well as just like, you know, naturally being able to afford more gear and doing the show just through a sheer technical aspect. But I want to be in a place where I'm a lot more consistent. I'm able to have a system down where even on bad 
weeks or times where, you know, Lucas is being very demanding or family things come up. But I can still hit an episode, be consistent with that, have a strong community behind me because I have a, a great handful of people um, that listen to the show um, or in the Discord community that I really do appreciate. But I would love to strengthen that even further to where we um, were able to interact more and do more things. And I have tried to do things in the past where it is like video game book clubs once a month get together. That's a published episode that goes out in the feed. And I would love to do stuff like that. It's just a matter of time. And um, it's not even time to do it. It's just time to organize it. That's the main thing that I felt. And doing that with a son now, maybe I should wait until doing a few things like that. But I really want to do some more things. And uh, I just got to sort of learn what my capacity is before thinking about it too much. But I'd love the house of Mario to be like, you know, the base of like all my gaming content, all my thoughts and opinions, you know, news, um, segments, all of that. But also now and again, and I'm sort of working on something at the moment, but have like a, a limited run podcast, depending on what's coming out or what I'm playing or something like that. Just something that I want to make, honestly. It doesn't have to be relevant to anything. <laughs> but something that I'd like to make, and I think that the people that enjoy whatever I do would also enjoy as well. So I've got some ideas for that. Um, I don't want to commit to it, so I won't say what it is here, but um, definitely uh, definitely want to do that. So it's definitely about community moving forward um, for the next year. We'll see where we are at episode 300, but I just want to make steady progress to be proud of where we are at episode 300 and um, just be really happy about where we are because I look at the um, like the downloads and I don't look at the downloads too much anymore, honestly. Uh, just whenever I like a, an upload an episode, I might I might have a look. Um, but typically the they've been pretty good, like for what I expect. I remember like the first episode, it took a month to get fifty downloads on the House of Mario, and you know fifty downloads, fifty people, fifty ears, half that even like the first episode having twenty five people listening to say five minutes <laughs> of you know a couple of random people, just just that alone. Even one person being like, all right, I'll listen to this. That is a success. That is awesome. And anybody starting a podcast or wanting to make content, keep that in mind that uh, it's not about st- like starting off and being in people's ears straight away. It's definitely a grind. And six years later of doing the House of Mario, we're not at like big numbers, even a little bit. Um, and growth has been just painfully slow. <laughs> But I think like I'm at a at a place where I'm happy with. We have like 200 plus people tuning in each week, which uh, is a great success for what I, I'm able to output and put into it. Um, somebody who's sitting in their spare bedroom just talking about what they love and maybe sometimes what they don't like about video games. And even on the case of today where I'm sitting in the middle of the paddock, sitting on the top of my, my ute's roof, talking to my phone, talking to this microphone, and uh, having you yourself and others tune in. I think that's uh, really, really awesome. And I would love just to push that more. I think for me, it's all about having more of a, a balance to do these things. And when I think about how I can sort of balance this more is – Having um having this more as like a a way of income in some ways, and I don't know how to do that necessarily. With like say two hundred plus people who listen, I, I'm certainly not going to like um like grovel for money like like I know some outlets do with their patrons or patreons or whatever. Um, but if if I could take more time to put into it, that's uh. That's ultimately sort of the chicken and egg, I think. But I think um, what my strategy will be going forward is like doing what I'm doing now is just like I'm out and about, I'm working, but instead of like an, maybe an hour lunch break or whatever, I do have an hour to do this, sit on the back of the car <laughs> and do a podcast then or do a video then. And then maybe a couple of hours in the evening when I'm home, Lucas is in bed, that can be for editing, but don't take too much time to do that because I still need to play games as well. So to talk about them and make content, it's like a, it's like a cycle. So I think that's where I am going forward. I'm thinking about a lot how I can optimize my time and utilize 
just the time I have outside the house um, for all those types of things. And that's where like this technology comes in useful, like my phone, wireless microphone, and uh, you know most importantly to this podcast, a Nintendo Switch, <laughs> which is portable. And uh, I just I chuck in my bag with my spare clothes, and um, you know I play fifteen minutes here, I play fifteen minutes there, and uh, that was even just so important for getting through Breath of the Wild back when the Switch came out. So there's a lot of things I'm thinking about. I'm always looking to make improvements or changes to the show. I think uh, people that have stuck with me this long since going solo, just a massive thank you for your support. No matter how silent you are, because I know a lot of you are silent, I don't hear from jack shit. I don't know who's out there. I don't know who's listening to me when you're out on the treadmill or maybe you're, you're on a charter boat and you're picking up a big fish and their AirPods are in your ears and one drops out into the ocean. You're like, fuck, I dropped my AirPod. <laughs> Now I can only hear Drew in one bloody ear. That's bloody disgusting. Yeah. But yeah, that's a bit of a ramble anyway. Um, a little bit of a, a weird celebration for episode 250. I, I really enjoyed doing the big celebrations for 200, 150, etc. But I think at the, the halfway point where we are at the moment, I think it symbolizes exactly where we are on the lead up to episode 300. Where it is like, all right, this is, we're growing, we're experimenting, we're changing and uh, we've still got time to, you know, reach a form where it's uh, it's something that I'm really happy with and hopefully something that you guys, most importantly, are really happy with as well because I it, it does not go past me just how many options you have out there that are free, that are paid, that are whatever, but you take the time to listen to my podcast, which I absolutely love to pieces. I love podcasting. I love Nintendo. And uh, I love the community of players that um, are just like me. So thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. But I think I've talked long enough. I really uh, better get back to work. I've got a couple more troughs and uh, a few more minerals and things to put out as well as uh, just some things. It's um, it's kind of the the slower time of year for me. In a couple of weeks, the the sheep on the farm are going to be lambing. So that's a lot of work. That's a lot of checking, you know, just making sure that, you know, the birthing's going all right. And uh, we've got a, a Texel sheep stud as well. And uh, the stud work, you know, we've got 200 stud ewes and uh, there are a lot more work. A lot more work goes into, you know, you got to make sure you got to record every single lamb that's born. you got to, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I do love it though. I do love this time of year. It's awesome time of year. Nice and cold, wet on the farm, not shearing, not breaking your asshole every day. That's hard work, but uh, this is great. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, guys, I want to thank you very much for listening to episode 250 of The House of Mario. Super appreciate it. Love you very much. Hope to see you next week. It's all going to be about Tears of the Kingdom. Don't you worry about that. I'm going to be being playing I would like to say all weekend, but I've got a, I've got a one-year-old birthday party I've got to attend. It's Mother's Day. Nintendo, you really could have fucking worked that out a little bit better for old Drew Boy here. But um, yeah, regardless, really appreciate it. So until next week, guys, the doors to the House of Mario, they're closed. I'll catch you later. <laughs>